All right, all right, all right. Hey, let me welcome everybody today on all six of our campuses. And because we are one church that meets in six locations and they are all us and we are all them. Hey, let's just welcome everybody on all of our campuses to worship today. Y'all come on. Every campus. Come on. We love you guys. Awesome, awesome, awesome. We're also thankful for those of you who are watching on the live stream in Merritt Island and Myrtle Beach and Kamloops and San Antonio and wherever else you might be. Man, we love you guys, and we hope you'll pray for us uh, as you participate with us in this service. Now, <clears throat> today we're in a short series of messages that we do every year uh, that we're uh, talking about managing your money in a way that honors the Lord. And friends, the Bible talks a lot about money because money is the idol that most people worship instead of God. And I'm telling you, Jesus actually says this a couple of times because he knows the power of materialism and how much, you know, people love those shiny things that make them feel cool and how much they love those big piles that make them feel secure and how easy it is to let those desires lead you to sacrifice your spiritual life on the altar of just more stuff. Now, it doesn't have to be that way. I mean, some people who love the Lord the most have, have a lot of cool stuff and they have big piles of resources. They just don't worship those things. And you can tell that by how they use them. So once again, uh, we're going to work through some spiritual principles of managing money in a God-honoring way. And today I want to talk about tithing. Everybody say tithing. tithing. Now, honestly, tithing has just never been hard for me because my dad and mom had the money talk with me over and over and over again, starting when I got my first allowance as a little kid. And they just broke it down for me. Here's a dollar, 10 cents you give to the Lord. 10 cents you save for a rainy day, you live on the rest. And they basically said this works if it's $1 or if it's 1000 or if it's a million dollars. First 10 goes to God, second 10 you save, live on the rest and you'll be fine. And you know what? That coaching affected the way I thought about money. And because they you know, used that talk to just drill some biblical values into me, I had the same talk with my boys as well. But let me tell you something my parents never said. They never said, now, Cam, if you will tithe, good things will just start automatically happening for you. Man, tithing is how you rub the magic lamp just right, and you get the genie to come out and give you three wishes. They never said that. My parents taught me that followers of Jesus honor the Lord with our money because we love Jesus and because we obey him, regardless of whether any blessing comes to us in the future or not. Now, that's what I was taught. And on the other coast of America, thank God, that's what my Sarah's dad was teaching her too. And, and honestly, because we got this talk, even though we've had lots of ups and downs financially, you know, I just think life has been easier for our family because somebody we love talks straight to us about both the perils and the potential of money. And because I love you, that's what I'm going to do for you today. I want to talk to you about the most important financial decision you will ever make. And I want to share my testimony with you. I, I want to share with you what's happened in my life because I made that decision. And friends, honestly, I want to encourage you to make this decision for the same reason I made it. Not because of any of the good that has come into my life because I did. This is why I titled this message, The Blessing That Comes When You Don't Seek to Be Blessed. The Blessing That Comes When You Don't Seek to Be Blessed. My prayer is that you will make this decision because it's the right thing to do. Because Jesus asked you to do this. Because it honors the God that you say is the Lord of your life. And I hope you will make this decision with no expectation, 
of any blessing in return. And then, you know what? No matter what happens in your life short term, you won't get mad and cuss and get you know, disappointed with God because you didn't have any of those crazy sky high hopes anyway. You're just doing the right thing for the right reason out of obedience to your Lord. Now, friend, if you're a follower of Jesus, tithing is the most important financial decision you will ever make. And before I share my testimony and tell you why I believe that, let me just answer a few basic questions about tithing. Number one, what is tithing? Well, tithing is a spiritual discipline of giving 10% of your income to your church. Now, I heard about a guy this week who had a heart condition, and later in his life he inherited $50 million. And his wife was afraid to tell him about it because he had a weak heart, and she thought if he heard that, he'd have a heart attack. So she called her pastor over and said, look, I mean, I got this really good news, but I, I don't want my husband to cack because I give him this good news. So is there a way you can pray for him and you can kind of break this thing to him in a, in a healthy way? And the pastor said, well, I'll try. So the pastor came over and he met with him a little bit. And then he asked the guy, he said, what's the most you ever made in your whole life? He said, well, the year before I retired, I think I made $85,000 a year. And the pastor said, that's awesome, man. What a great salary. What do you think you would do if somebody gave you $50 million? And the guy said, well, I love the Lord, so of course the first thing I would do is give 10% to my church, and the pastor had a heart attack. <laughs> now, why, why would we be so surprised that a follower of Jesus is a tither? I mean, you, you, maybe you don't know, the first mention of tithing in the Bible is in the life of Abraham, all the way back here in Genesis chapter 14. Paul said in the book of Romans that Abraham is the father of our faith. And according to Paul, Abraham, the first man ever to be saved by faith, is also the first person the Bible ever talks about tithing as an act of an expression of that faith, an expression of worship. Then in Genesis chapter 14, it says, after Abram returned from defeating K-man, you know, K-do-le-omer or whatever his name is. And the, <laughs> he ain't from around here, y'all. <laughs> but anyway... He and the kings allied with him, so K-Boy and his buddies. Uh, the king of Sodom came out to meet him in the valley of Shabbat, that is the king's valley. And then Melchizedek, the king of Salem, brought out bread and wine, and he was a priest of the Most High God and blessed Abraham. Now stop right here for a second, because the book of Hebrews spends almost three chapters talking about this guy. There's more in the book of Hebrews in the New Testament about Melchizedek than there is in the Old Testament and it says in Hebrews that Melchizedek is a type of Christ. He's a foreshadowing of Christ. You know, the kind of eternal, nobody knows where Melchizedek came from. Nobody knows where he went. Jesus has, you know, had no past, the great future, all that. Bread and wine, you know, symbolic of the communion, all kind of cool stuff happening here. Melchizedek was a priest of the Most High God. Blessed Abraham by saying, Blessed be Abram by God Most High, creator of heaven and earth, and praise be to God Most High, who delivered your enemies into your hand and Abram gave him a tenth of everything he had earned. Now, friends, this took place 430 years prior to the formation of the Old Testament law, which means that tithing was a spiritual discipline and an act of worship for believers long before the formulation of the Old Testament law. Now, here's the next question. What's the difference between a tithe and an offering? Now, tithing is a practice of returning. It never even calls tithing giving. It, it refers to it as returning the first percent of 10% of your income to your church. And then an offering is anything you want to give to a charitable cause in addition to that first 10%.
Now Moses told the people of Israel, a tithe of everything from the land, whether grain from the soil or fruit from the trees, it all belongs to the Lord. That tithe is holy to the Lord. Now this is when they learned to give the first fruits of their income to the Lord as an act of worship. I mean, he indicates that tithing is a holy thing. And dude, if you're not treating it that way, you might want to rethink that. Now an offering would be anything you give in addition to your tithe. Man, this is how we support global missions here at Compassion. This is how we help the poor in our local community, all that kind of stuff. And then many years after Moses brought the law to the Jewish people, you know, the prophet Malachi said, you need to bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. Now he was referring to the temple back in the Old Testament. And I think that's analogous to the church in our day. You know, in the Old Testament temple, that was a place where you went to be taught and where you learned and where you did ministry and where you cared for people in need way back in the day. And I mean, if you think about it, that's kind of how the church functions today. And so, you know, Moses said, Malachi said, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse so that there'll be food in my house so that your tithe will make provision for all of those needs. Now think about this. If you have ever called a pastor in a moment of need, if you've ever had a pastor share with you or explain the Bible to you or meet with you somewhere to disciple you or preach a funeral for somebody you love or save your marriage by counseling or lead, you, lead your child to Jesus and help you baptize that, that child into Christ, then you know that your giving helped provide both your church and that pastor who has contributed so much to your spiritual life. And that's why tithe, your tithe goes to your church. Now, if you want to support Fellowship of Christian Athletes, awesome. Young Life, cool. If you want to send a kid on a mission trip, send them to camp, fantastic. If you want to support the Cancer Society, Heart Association, Hospital Foundation, dude, awesome. Knock yourself out. Those would be offerings, money that you would donate to good causes after you give your tithe to the church that supports you and your family spiritually. And then Malachi records one of the most radical things in the Bible. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty. See if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing there won't be room enough to store it. Test me and see. Just obey my word and then watch what happens because you did. Now these were the instructions for the Jewish people in the Old Testament under the Old Covenant. But you're going to see in a minute that Jesus affirms this in the new covenant as well. Now, again, <clears throat> the people who received these instructions were told that a blessing would follow if they obeyed this command. So don't get that backwards. Friends, obeying the command is not conditional on receiving some kind of blessing. The blessing is a byproduct of prior obedience. Dude, the God who saved you asked you to tithe to honor him and provide for his work in the world. You obey that because it's the right thing to do long before you ever expect to see whether God blesses you or not. And you do that because of your faith and your obedience to the one who saved you, not because you think he's going to throw you a peanut or something like that. So here's another question. How do, how do I start tithing? That ain't hard. You just divide your income by 10. Dude, that's your tithe. All right, now here's the way I do it. I take my total income, which is set every January, does not change for the next 12 months. Uh, I divide my income by 10. That tells me what my tithe is going to be. I divide that tithe by 52 because I like to give every week of, as an act of worship. And that's how I calculate and that's how I give my tithe. Now, some people like to tithe monthly. Uh, some people like to tithe every time they get a paycheck. Uh, I, like to, I like to tithe every week because I think of it as an act of worship 
And that's how my Sarah and I do it. Now, people also ask me sometimes, should I tithe on the gross or the net? My answer is, which one you want God to bless? Can you get amen? Yeah, I tithe on my gross because I believe that taxes are the country club dues we pay for living in the greatest country in the world. Yeah, okay, one person, the rest of you jokers, just lap it up, all right, yeah. Listen, my income is what I make before the taxes come out. Dude, I don't deduct anything when I'm figuring out how to honor the Lord because it's all from God and he is my Lord. So I, I want to do what he wants me to do. I ain't lowballing him. You, maybe, but I'm not lowballing him. In Proverbs chapter 3, verse 9, I'm telling you, one of the smartest money managers who has ever lived, somebody who is richer than anybody here will ever dream to be, said that we should honor the Lord with our wealth with the first fruits of all we produce. Man, God is our priority, so he gets blessed first, which is why I love to give on our Compassion Christian app. Man, I can set that app up so that my gift is the first thing that gets paid every week. I just checked it, just readjusted it in January. Friend, if you're brand new, I bet you notice that we don't pass the offering basket here during our worship services. But don't let that lead you to think that the people of Compassion don't tithe. I'm telling you, man, Compassion Christian is one of the most generous churches I've ever even heard of. Now, here at Compassion, we give three different ways. Some of us give on the Compassion app. That's the way I do it. Some of us love to go to the website. We get it all set up on the website with a recurring gift. And that's awesome. Uh, some of us like to drop our gifts in the offering boxes like you see on every campus, just like they did back in Jesus' day. Now, my mother was here last week. This is my little mama, 87 years old. She was here last week. And she always brings her check to the Lord. And then halfway through the worship service, just like when I was nine years old, she hands it over to me so I can put it in the offering for her. And then I go out and I drop Miss Daisy's offering in the offering box, all right? That's how, that's how I do it, all right? But you know, in a sense, tithing is a test. Who do you trust and who do you thank first? You know who some people thank first? Visa. But let me tell you, Visa does not have the power to bless your life. Visa does not have the power to bless your finances. Visa just consumes them and charges you interest. Now, this is why I love to give on the app, because I'm telling you, it lets me put God first, not just in my heart, but in my budget as well. And friends, we offer, we offer you the easiest way to start tithing you will ever see. We call it the 90-day tithing challenge. Man, we heard about this a few years ago. The idea was you try tithing for 90 days and you just see if God doesn't bless your life. And if he doesn't bless you, and he doesn't have to bless you with money, he can bless you with anything. It could be a job or health or new friends or good friends for your kids at school, anything. But here's the challenge. You try not tithing for 90 days. Dude, you give a full tithe of your full income for a full 90 days starting today. And at the end of 90 days, if you can honestly say God didn't bless you, Here's the crazy thing. We heard about a church out in Oregon that said, we'll give you your money back. And so you try tithing for 90 days, and if God doesn't bless you, there's a church out in Oregon that will give you your money. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> Dude, we'll give you your money back. We'll refund it. It ain't never going to be easier for you than that. Now, you got to give on the app or you got to give a check. We do not refund cash claims. Amen? Too many lost people here. We ain't doing that. All right. But man, you've got to know that we, if we didn't think God was good and if we didn't think God was responsive to generosity in a powerful way, 
We would never offer you a money-back guarantee. So the question, how do you start tithing? Here's the answer. Start tithing. That's how you do it. And if you're sitting here right now thinking, Cam, I am so upside down, bro, you don't know. Start somewhere. Start with 3% or 4% or 5%. And then as God shows up in your life, increase it till you finally get up to what he's asked you to do. Now, if you have any questions about this, you can talk to somebody at Connecting Point on any one of our campuses after any service. And man, they'll answer your questions. They'll help you get going. Here's another question. Isn't tithing an Old Testament law that is not relevant to believers today? That's a great question. And let me tell you, actually, if tithing were only part of the Old Testament law, it would not be relevant today. But as you've already seen, tithing predated the Old Testament law by four centuries as an act of worship. And you're going to see Jesus affirm it in the New Testament as well. In fact, Jesus actually taught tithers to give generously. Now, you only know if you're being generous if there's a standard. And tithing has always been the baseline for believers. I mean, from the very beginning. Let me ask you a question. What's the standard for tipping in America? 15%, right? I went to a restaurant the other day. Worst service I've ever had in my life. My, my mother said, oh, it's her first day. I'm like, I don't think she's on the payroll yet, Mom. I think this is a stranger. This is Walt here. Nobody even knows she's here. You know what I'm saying? The Lord knows she ain't getting no food for us. I can tell you that. But you know, at the, end of the, at the end of the meal, I just grudgingly held my nose and I gave her a 15% tip because I'm a nice guy and grace is amazing. Amen? Amen. But if you want to be generous, it's, well, I, was, I think I was really generous right there, to be honest, because she deserved like a 1%, all right? But I mean, you know, if you're going to be generous, you've got to be above whatever the standard is. So that's more than 15%. Now, in the New Testament, Jesus rebuked people who were good at giving money and not good at giving love. He said, woe to you teachers of the law, you Pharisees, you hypocrites. Dude, you give a tenth of your spices? I mean, mint and dill and cumin? I mean, they go into the garden, making sure they tie the spices out of their garden. But you've neglected the more important matters of the law, like justice and mercy and faithfulness. Now, don't miss this, y'all. Jesus said, you should have practiced the latter. What's he talking about? Tithing without neglecting the former, showing justice and mercy and faithfulness. Now, friends, if tithing was over because of the new covenant, Jesus certainly could have said so right there, but he didn't. In fact, he affirms the value of tithing as a spiritual discipline that worshipers have always honored. Now, friends, I think this is super important because I'm telling you, there's a ton in the Old Testament that is absolutely not binding on Christians today. Can I hear an amen? There's a ton back there. You know, the Old Testament is actually the Jewish scriptures, most of which is not binding on believers today. Only the parts that are reaffirmed in the new covenant, reaffirmed by Jesus and the apostles, are binding on us. For example... One of the Ten Commandments is, thou shalt not commit adultery. There is no mature believer I know who would argue that you can commit adultery because that's Old Testament we're living in the New Testament. You know why nobody would make that contention? Because Jesus reaffirmed that commandment in the New Testament. Jesus taught us that adultery is a sin. And then Peter said the same thing. And Paul and John all reaffirmed this commandment in the New Testament. In fact, every one of the Ten Commandments is reaffirmed in the New Testament except for the command to keep the Sabbath day holy. And that's why we don't stop work on Saturday. 
which is the Sabbath day. Jesus affirms tithing in Matthew 23, and then he goes beyond that and teaches those who follow him to give generously, not because of some rule, but because it's the outflow of your heart. It's because of your love. Man, Jesus said, give, and it'll be given to you. I mean, a good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, pouring out into your lap. Trust your father, man, with the measure you use. It's going to be measured to you. Now, what's the command? Give. That's the command. What's the result? Blessing in proportion to your generosity. Now, remember, y'all, Jesus is talking to people who grew up tithing, and now he's coaching them to give generously. And then he says your generosity to his church and to others is going to have an impact on God's generosity to you. Now, friend, if that is true, that tithing and beyond honors God, the God who provides us with everything and provisions the church that makes so much difference in our lives and our families. I mean, listen, man, that alone would bless your family and your life into the future. And that's why I think the most important financial decision you are ever going to make as to whether you will tithe or not. And my parents helped me make that decision with my allowance. And they just drilled that discipline into me two ways, by coaching and by example. Now, I started tithing because I watched a single mom whose husband dropped dead at 36, tithe through all the financial rigors of being a widow and a single mom and losing half her family income while raising two boys who are 9 and 11 because their dad was dead. And her faithful example through all of those challenges was part of the money talk that had a profound impact on my life. And so let me just share with you my testimony. Let me share with you how God has blessed me and my family because long before any blessings appeared, Sarah and I decided that we would tithe and be generous beyond that, just straight up out of obedience to the Lord that we love. Now, here's my testimony. I have given a tithe of everything I have made for as long as I've been making money. And let me tell you, God has given me a blessed life. He has blessed. Now, most of you think I wouldn't be blessed if I tithe. I'm telling you, God has given me a blessed life. Now, some of y'all are thinking right now, Cam, I can't afford to tithe. I'm not blessed enough to tithe. Can I just tell you, that thinking is backwards. It's backwards. The scripture says you get blessed because you tithe. Dude, tithing triggers something. I mean, especially if you tithe with no expectation of anything in return. Dude, if I didn't tithe, I don't think I would be this blessed either. I mean, listen, Solomon, the richest man who ever lived, said, that the, said, said exactly the opposite of what you would expect a rich guy to say. Solomon said the generous will themselves be blessed. He doesn't say, you know, if you're, you know, really blessed, one day you'll be generous. He said, no, 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 no. It's the generosity that triggers that blessing, which, of course, makes tithing a matter of faith. Dude, this is something you got to believe before you see it. you got to believe it before you see it. Solomon's dad, King David, said, good will come to those who are generous. Not if you're really having a good go, then be generous. He said, good comes to those who are generous. Now, Solomon's dad was David, one of the best-known heroes in the Bible. And he's talked about in the Old Testament and the New Testament, admired in both. 
In Psalm 103, David starts reflecting on how good God has been to him and how much good God has blessed him with. And then he writes this song about it. And listen, I could sing this song about my life. And man, I hope you notice the blessings he begins to list, they're not real estate. They're not trust funds. They're not IRAs, you know. David says, praise the Lord, O my soul. Forget not all of his benefits, who forgives all your sins. Friends, I have lived with a sense of forgiveness and freedom and peace for years. I don't live with any ongoing struggle with guilt. I don't live with some ongoing inappropriate sense of shame because God blessed me with forgiveness. He healed all your diseases. I don't know about you, but when I was a kid, I was alerted to everything I could see from the front steps of my house. And I got terrible asthma. When I was playing basketball, I'd get locked up with these horrible asthma attacks. When I got close to a horse or a cow or a dog, I would just lock up. When I got close to a cat, I would pass out, man. I'm just saying, bad, right? And because of God's grace and some really good doctors, that hadn't been a problem for me for years. It said, David said, he redeems your life from the pit. You know where I come from? I come from a family line of men who die young. My grandfather died at 50. My dad died at 43. I have an uncle who was in the Clemson Football Hall of Fame, played for the Baltimore Colts, dropped dead at 53 after playing three sets of tennis the day before. Do you know how much I worry about dying? Zero. I'm not like Elvis. Oh, my mama died. I might die too. No, that's not how it is with me, man. You know why? Because I know where my next stop is. Friend, one second after I die, I will be in heaven with two kids I already have there. Why? Because Jesus redeemed my life from the pit. And he crowned me with love and compassion. Now listen, if you know me well, do you know anybody who has better friends than I do? Do you know anybody who enjoys love more, who has a greater sense of God's compassion than I do? Which is not to say that everybody loves me because everybody does not love me, and I have a file of letters in my office to prove that, all right? And I bring it out every year, and I read it at the Next Level Conference because it encourages pastors of smaller churches, right? Large church people have crazy folk too. And it's not because life has been easy for me, because it hasn't. But I'm telling you, the blessing of God on my life has made my trials seem so small. David goes on to say that he satisfies your desires with good things. He satisfies your desires with good things. Listen, I think one of the benefits of tithing is that I know because I'm a tither, I don't have the money to both honor God and buy a lot of junk. And because I will not short my Lord, I have decided to not want some things. You you can do that, you know. You can just decide to not want some things. And decided to not want things has been a blessing to me. For example, I decided not to want an airplane. (laughs) <laughs> I really want one. I really want it. one bad, y'all. But I just finally said, I'm a pastor. I ain't never going to be able to afford that. So I decided not to want that. I decided not to want a, a certain kind of car, watch or a certain kind of truck. I decided not to want a beach house. I decided not to want a lot of stuff that I can't afford if I'm going to honor the Lord by tithing. You know, I have a friend who bought a swimming pool for his kids and then stopped tithing because the pool cost more than he thought. I think that's insane. I would never do that. And I wouldn't trade lives with that guy today for nothing. He made a decision that did not bring him good things. You know what I think? I think spending and buying 
can become an addiction just like porn. Now, you know what the problem with porn is? Everything. Amen? <laughs> Everything. But if you're addicted, no amount is ever enough. If you're addicted to porn, no amount is ever enough. And the sickest thing about porn is that it dishonors some young woman or some young man who is made in the image of God. It just denigrates that. It takes, it takes those people and it turns them into things. People who were created in the image of God, it turns them into things. And every time you click, you support that. And it's a trap. The more you do this dishonorable sin, the more you want to do it. And then the more extreme and crazy ways you want to do it. I mean, porn is a gateway sin, y'all. It is not a victimless sin, not by a long shot. And can I just say spending money is an addiction like that. And, and it's crazy because the more money you have, you'd think you'd be satisfied. No, 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 no. The more money you have, the more you want to spend. And you want to spend it on more expensive, more extreme stuff that you just have this desperation to get. And for me, tithing, when I didn't have very much and had to be super frugal to pull it off, Help me beat that addiction. And so now, you know, now that God has given me so much more, I carry that discipline forward. Dude, tithing helps me live with a soul satisfaction that is not dependent on things. So as my income goes up, my standard of giving can go up because I am not addicted and desperate to having my standard of living go up. So I don't need an airplane. I have friends who have airplanes. I can fly with them, right? <laughs> I don't need a certain kind of watch. I got a watch. I don't need a certain kind of truck. I got one. I don't need a beach house. The ocean's 30 minutes away because we live in the greatest city in America. Can I hear amen, everybody? Yes, God has blessed us. Blessed us, blessed us. Tithing has enabled me to admire without this desperate need to acquire. And then, friends, if God chooses to bless me with wonderful things, and let me tell you, he has, I can be thankful without having to live with the stress that that desperation creates when I'm addicted to materialism or I'm so scared I don't have a big enough pile for the future. And then David praises God because, you know, when you have that soul satisfaction, dude, your youth is renewed like the eagles. You don't age like everybody else. I mean, you get physically older, but you enjoy a youthfulness of spirit that brings you joy no matter how physically old you may be. Listen, I have friends in this church who are super blessed and super generous and super joyful. And I want to be just like them when I grow up. Now, if you want God's blessing in your life and you want to experience God's goodness in your life and you want good things to happen to you, then long before you expect any of that to show up, you should choose to be a giver. You should purpose to be a tither. Because I'll tell you, obedience is one of the keys that opens that door of blessing. I'll tell you another thing in my testimony. Man, God has blessed my children. God has blessed my children. Sarah and I have three sons, and I believe they are better men than I was at their age. And I think they'll be better men than I am at my age. And I believe those boys are a blessing from the Lord. Listen, Psalm 37, 26 says, the godly are always generous. Now you might want to look at this. Apparently, 
Generosity is a mark of godliness. You might want to pay attention to that. Pastor Steve talked about that last week, but don't miss this next line. Their children will be blessed. This is the word of God. Generous people should expect their children to be blessed. Man, when you're generous, you know, when you give a tithe and beyond is the way the Bible defines it, not only are you blessed, dude, your children are blessed. There's a whole generational effect that starts rolling here. Now, y'all, look at me. Look at me. Because I am a tither and beyond, I could not afford to cloak my sons with everything they wanted as kids. And I did not. And I can't give them everything I want to give them right now. And I will not. Because I can't afford to tithe and be generous and then give them everything that I want to give them. And so God comes first. We all know that. And they're the same way. But friends, look at the blessing that has come to my kids. I have three boys who are all followers of Jesus, who have been serving him most of their lives. Think about the scars my sons do not have because they've been following Jesus most of their life. All three of them walk with the Lord in high school and college. Are they perfect? No. Were they perfect? No. I mean, there's a dead cat story that I'm probably never going to tell from the pulpit. It's in a file up at Milligan College. He didn't kill the cat, but I, I can't talk about it, all right? <laughs> These boys all dated fantastic Christian girls in high school, fantastic Christian girls. And then they all married extraordinary women who have made our family stronger. Man, <laughs> I watched my grandson Jackson talk back to his mama one day. And buddy, she's like, what? And buddy, she came out of that chair and she disciplined him right then, right in a moment so he would know bad actions create bad consequences. And I thought, thank you, Jesus. Where did this girl come from? She came from the Lord, man. And all my girls are that way. Now, as a parent, how do you make that happen? How do you, how do you control that? How do you make that happen? I don't know. It's a blessing. But I do know that David, a guy who had to learn a, hard, a lot of things the hard way, taught that when you are generous, their children will be blessed. There is a blessing that flows down to your kids. Do you want your kids to be blessed more than you want consumer debt, new vehicles, dumb purchases? Maybe you should start tithing. And I'm not promising you anything. I have no control over outcomes. I'm just sharing my testimony of how God has worked in my life. And friends, I'm encouraging you to do the same. Obey the Lord with no expectation of anything in the future and see what he does. I'm telling you, great parents all through biblical history have proven that when you obey the Lord through generosity, there is a blessing that flows down to your kids. And man, I wish I had an hour to share my testimony with you. I don't. But if I did, I'd talk to you you about how God has blessed my work. Because, you know, we've been generous. I think God has blessed our work because we've been generous. You know, people ask me all the time, that visit our church. Cam, did you ever dream when you first came to Savannah that God would do all of this amazing stuff in this ministry? And then I try to answer with humility and honesty. Absolutely. Absolutely did. Man, we've been praying in faith for a church that would impact 2% of the population of our region since the day I got here. But how much control did I have over that outcome? None. But I tell you, I have tithed here. And I've prayed here and served here and given Jesus my best here. 
And you remember what Solomon, the wisest man who ever lived, said? Honor God with everything you own. Give him your first and your best, and then your barns will burst, and then your wine vats will brim over. And friends, that's what I see here every day. And I mean, God did it all. But I think he chose to do it here because so many of us have honored God with everything we own. We have purpose to give him our first and our best. And if you want to experience that kind of blessed life on your work, long before you expect that blessing to arrive, you will have to decide if you will obey, obey Jesus with no expectation of anything in return. I wish I had time to talk about how God has given me a life that's happy. I live a happy life. Pastor Steve talked about this last week, so I'm not going to take a lot of time here. But you know, the Apostle Paul was a hard-hearted man, and he started following Jesus and obeying Jesus and generously giving and living for Jesus. And you know what happened? He became a joyful follower of Jesus. You remember he wrote about this in Acts chapter 20. He told us, remember what Jesus said. Remember what the Master said. You are far happier giving than getting. Now, I got a couple balloons here that are about the size of a human heart, right? That kind of looks like a human heart. <laughs> Betty, this is not a human heart, is it? I mean, Lord, <laughs> but you know what? Hard, frozen, not frozen enough. Hard heart. That's how Paul came to know the Lord. And when he began to give time and love and devotion, his heart became malleable and movable, became beautiful, warm, loving. How many of you wish your heart was like that? That hardness, that skepticism, that meanness, that irritability could be transformed into a happy, holy, whole heart. What Jesus said, the way to make that happen is by being generous. Before Paul met Jesus, mean-spirited man whose heart was as hard as stone. But when he gave his life to Jesus and he became a giver like Jesus, Jesus transformed his heart and he changed. Now, friends, I'm telling you, honoring Jesus has made me happier. And if you want to be happier, maybe you should try it. It's the opposite of what you think. You think that, you know, happiness comes by doing this. And what Jesus says is that happiness comes by doing this. Now, you know, every now and then, well, I'll do a message like this, and somebody will come up to me and say, Pastor, it didn't work. I tried it, it didn't work. I said, you tried tithing, didn't work? It didn't work for me? How long have you been tithing? Two weeks. <laughs> two weeks? Seriously, man? You know, two, I mean, I don't want you know, what to, what are you expecting? I'm going to tithe one Sunday, and then on Monday, there's going to be an envelope in the mailbox, postmark heaven, full of cash. I mean, really? Is that what you expect? You know what a guy like that? He's like, I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings down, but he's like a little kid who comes home from kindergarten with a styrofoam cup and some dirt in it. And he said, there's a seed in here. We're going to see it grow. And then every day, he digs the seed out. Why ain't it growing? Because you're not leaving it alone, bro. Leave it alone. Give it some time. You sow, then you reap. Why? Because like I've said a dozen times, the blessing comes after generosity becomes a habit in your life and a spiritual discipline that you embrace with no expectation of anything in return. 
But friends, when that trust starts to bring blessing, it will be as life-changing for you as it has been for me. And if you don't believe that, try it. Try it and see. Father, thank you. Thank you that you give us these instructions in your word that are so counterintuitive. They're so opposite of the way our lust wants to think. They're so opposite of the way our pride and our fear, you know, drags us along. Lord, it, it, it drags us one way, and, and then your word is like a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. It, it just shows another way. And I pray, God, that we will summon our courage and summon our faith and walk that path that your word has illuminated for us. And, Lord, that we will do it with no expectation of anything in return just because we love you, just because we know it's right, just because we know Jesus died for us. We will live for him. And then, Lord, when all that blessing comes and all that peace and all that happiness and, and that generational blessing comes, we'll be thankful, Lord, that we chose your path with no expectation of anything in return. Bless us as we do, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.